Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Jason, welcome back to the Recap and Duocast. As usual, it's fun to be back, man. How you holding up in the pandemic? Uh, we're, we're still holding in there, man. It's still, I'm still taking it seriously. So, you know, we're still mostly at home. I go out on missions every now and then to get stuff. And I'm, I'm always wearing my mask now. So yeah. every, everywhere I go. Yeah. Well, hopefully summertime is going to be a turning point for central Washington and we can start to, you know, open things up. We're, we're a little behind the eight ball over here, as you know, with infection rate in Yakima, but I see things turning around. I see that there's a willingness to put on masks like you're seeing and uh, do what it takes to to stamp this thing out. I see a lot more people wearing masks now yeah, than before when they probably should have. I definitely don't think we're ready to fully open yet. You know, just by looking at the numbers, I'm still waiting for them to go down and they're not. Yeah, yeah. It's tough, the area we're in. Uh, so have you been following the, the, the protests and the George Floyd fallout and what, what are your thoughts on that movement? Well, I support it. You know, I think it needs to keep happening until uh, the senseless killing of black people by cops stops. I mean, I, I think that's ridiculous. Let me tell you where I stand on the Black Lives Movement. I have followed the protests on social media, somewhat on television, but mostly on social media mm -hmm. since they started. And I have driven by and seen the protests happening locally. I have been impressed across the board with 99% of what I see happening. Mm. And I think these protesters are doing incredibly important work. I feel guilty that I'm not out there in the streets myself. In my own way, I'm trying to contribute through donations to organizations that are trying to amplify black voices and, and also make changes in uh, police procedures and police reform. And I think we can all find our own way of helping out with this movement. I, I'm really impressed with the young people, and it gives me a lot of hope and optimism about where we're going with this country when we see, actually where we're going in this world, when you see protesters in Italy, in Germany, and South America, all supporting George Floyd's family and trying to make their voices heard too. Pretty incredible. Yeah, it's, it's really heartening. I know in, in uh, England it's happening as well. It's kind of like the shot heard around the world. I mean, this is the I can't breathe heard around the world. It's, yep. it's making an impact. And why this was the tipping point and why Eric Garner wasn't the tipping point or all of these other horrific atrocities that, that occurred on camera, why is this the tipping point? I don't know that we'll ever find out. Maybe the pandemic had something to do with that. Maybe there were people that were feeling so much despair already with the pandemic and losing their job and just the economic crisis that's happening because of the pandemic and COVID really created this boiling point to where when George Floyd was murdered, everyone was activated. And how, how cool is that just to see so many, you know, millions of people being activated to do something positive. And of course we see the looters and some violence happening too. But I think that is the vast minority of events that occur during these protests and flowing out of these protests from what I've seen anyway. Yeah. 
I think this was a tipping point because just the video itself, if you watch the video, that eight minutes and some seconds of that video, you're watching a man die on camera. And you know it at, at minute one, you know what's happening. Yep. Yeah. And those other cops standing there yeah. and not stopping it. I, I got an email from an old, old friend the other day named Borja, and he was a foreign exchange student in high school with me back in 1989, 90. And I ended up going to Spain and spending time with his family after graduation. And we became really good friends, but we lost contact after I came back to the States. And out of the blue, I get this email from Borja. And I, I thought he had died. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd given up trying to find him like 10 years ago because he doesn't have social media accounts. And anyway, we were talking on WhatsApp the other day, a couple days ago, and just catching up face to face on a video call. And he brought up the George Floyd video. Mm. And he talked about how he watched the eight minute long video of the cops murdering him and how Europe views that. And the anger in his voice was palpable. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could feel it and you could see it in his face that how could this happen? How, and I know it happens in other countries and maybe third world countries more than first world countries, but. The fact that it's happening in the most powerful nation and the most supposedly free nation on the planet is shocking to the world, including to my friend Borja in Spain. It and, is. And so it's, it's actually really cool to hear the perspective of folks who don't live in the United States. They just don't understand it. And it helps us feel validated because Jason, I know you and I don't understand it either. No. <laughs> We're like, how can this be happening? I don't get it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad the protesters are out there doing such important work. You know, we've, it seems like we've digressed. We've, we've gone back 50 years. Yeah. At least 50, 60 years. Yeah. From a civil rights standpoint, for yeah. sure. I mean, <laughs> just looking at it and reflecting the other day, we had the race riots going on. We had SpaceX launching a new old style rocket up to the space station to deliver stuff. The only thing we're missing is a, is a war in Asia right now. Yeah. And it would have been the 1960s all over again. Yep. It really is mind-boggling. Yeah, to see it happening on cell phone footage. Yeah. It's just, it's so jarring and shocking because you realize, it, as horrifying as it is to see this happening, you realize that the vast majority of these atrocities are not being caught on video. No. So it's happening a lot more than we probably care to admit or want to um, accept. But the fact that it's being caught on video is, I, I think, one of the, the best things to emerge from this record everything and post everything culture that we're in. Because we're, we're really seeing evidence of what's been happening for so long that's irrefutable. That's right. Yeah. And, and we need that type of evidence so that we have a buy-in from everybody including white people, hopefully. Got to hold them accountable, man. Get on board with this movement. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really kind of frightening to see how polarized the country is and how divided we are, even in light of irrefutable evidence on video of what's happening. But still, I think there's hope and optimism. I have more hope and optimism than I do pessimism about where we're going. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So uh, what have you been up to? What, what you've been looking at, paying attention to, or uh, doing to kill time when you're not producing this podcast? <laughs> That's actually quite a bit of my time. But when I'm not, you know, I'm always doing stuff around the house and 
yard and, you know, I'll watch stuff on TV now and then. I actually watched, um, Odessa and I watched a movie and then I watched a documentary too last night. The movie was Rocket Man. Oh, I saw that in the theaters. I, for some reason, I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to. Oh, really? I know it was a, it was a well-made movie and everything. It's just, I'm not a big musical guy. Oh, and, I, and yeah, it's total musical. It's not what I thought it was going to be, which was more of a structured chronological thing of Elton John's career. And it was right. more, you know, a musical and a musical type situation. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, I love, I love his music. What I noticed about Rocket Man was if you can buy into the fantastical sort of whimsical approach that the filmmaker took mm -hmm. with the reality branching off into total fantasy at any given moment. And, right. You know, these songs that would just spin out of, um, you know, in the middle of dialogue. Once you buy into that, then you're in. Yeah. And then you can really enjoy the music. And I thought the actor, I, I forget his name. I, he was kind of an unknown actor. At least I hadn't heard of him before, but I thought he did a great job. He playing, did. Playing Elton. He did. He did a really good job. Yeah. Well, I saw it in theaters back in the time when we still had movie theaters. Was, you, rem you remember those days? That was, seems like so long ago. <laughs> yeah. I have been watching some TV. I watched a, a Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix that was so disturbing. I recommend watching it, but it's, it's a little dark. And of course, you know, the whole Jeffrey Epstein oh, gosh. chapter is, is dark. What I found most profound and, and disturbing at the same time about the Jeffrey Epstein doc is that there are some hard truths about who he was and who hung out with him and who chose to spend time with him mm -hmm. that we all need to accept. And, and I think everybody or most people understand how he was associated with Donald Trump. And we've seen the videos of them together at parties and leering at women and, oh, yeah. you know, that type of thing. But, you know, Bill Clinton uh, was involved too. And that's, it really goes into quite some detail on how many trips Bill Clinton took on the Jeffrey Epstein jet. And he might've even been at that private island, which they nicknamed or was nicknamed um, Pedophile Island. Oh boy. That Epstein owned. And it makes you ask some questions. I mean, you've got Alan Dershowitz, who is being accused of sexually abusing underage women uh, with Epstein on his properties. You've got Prince Andrew, same allegations against him. There were no allegations against Bill Clinton, but guilt by association is a powerful thing. And, you know, he, he hung out with them quite a bit over the years on his properties and on his jet. So, and I'm, I'm a fan of Bill Clinton. So it, it's tough to accept those those truths but i think it's good for us to look at reality and let it sink in you know despite our political biases we have to realize that there are people out there that we may have held up on a pedestal who don't deserve that type of reverence right you know and that's a, that's a tough thing to accept but it's important to do it's an important exercise another thing i've been doing is trying to deconstruct a song by bob dylan called twist of fate and I didn't realize how complex and layered Bob Dylan's songs are. Oh, yeah. A lot of them are. And we all know how long they are, right? <laughs> yeah, multiple verses. I yeah. mean, the verses just go on and on and on. And he has so much to say. And he's such a great storyteller. But if you start to deconstruct his songs, figure out how he plays them, first of all. On the Twist of Fate song, he used open D tuning. And I think a lot of songs on that album, he used the same tuning. But once you start trying to learn it, you realize that he would pick the tuning that he wanted. 
and he would make chords to fit that tuning right which is is a really difficult way to write songs and to play songs but i think the payoff is you have something that's a lot more unique and completely tailored to what bob dylan was trying to accomplish musically yeah. and sonically so I, i've been deep diving into that song in particular and i i plan to expand into his discography and learn more Bob Dylan songs because his birthday just passed, I think in the last month. And Mm -hmm. it just got me thinking like he's getting old and there's going to be a day when we, when Bob Dylan is trending on Twitter and it's not because of a new song that's come out. Right. It's because he's, he's gone. And I want to get to know his work now while he's still alive and honor his legacy basically through, through learning his music. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Hey, I would, I would definitely do a, like a duet with you on that if you want. Okay. You know, if you, if you want to record some of it, record a version of it and send it to me, I'll, I'll put some stuff on it. I'd love to. Yeah. Just give me a few more days to get that song figured out. No problem. I watched a really cool documentary yesterday called Hired Gun. I saw it on YouTube. I'm not sure where it's actually officially showing or whatever, but it's about being a hired musician. You know, you're hired to come in and be a guitarist or a bass player in a band and they pay you a certain amount. And, you know, if you go on tour or do a couple tours with these bands, you get used to that money coming in. And then all of a sudden the label or the management will say, well, we're going to do something different. So have fun. And it just dead stop. Right. That happens a lot. It happens a lot more than you think. And it, boy, it sure, it put a weird light on Billy Joel. I love Billy Joel. I love his music. But when you watch this, you're kind of like, wow. Yeah. Cutthroat. Guy's kind of a dick. Yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely going to check that one out. Yeah. Because I think we really focus on the stars and we don't really pay attention to the sidemen very right. much or the side women or the backup singers or the folks that really make it happen on a tour. Yep. Or in a studio. And I'm I'm hoping to talk to more musicians who are in that line of work on the podcast so we we can really understand the business side of music and how cutthroat it is. A lot of those guys do become studio musicians. That's how they keep working. Yeah. Because the tours just, well, especially now, and nobody's touring now, but it'll come up again. You know, it'll start. But a lot of those guys will get hired, get fired. They need to work. So they're working in the studio, backing somebody else up. And it's like the same 20 musicians in, in the area that are doing most of the recordings these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is the theme of that documentary, like how they're taken advantage of, they're not treated fairly, or what? what's the takeaway from Kind of both. And also, it could end in any minute. (laughs) Yeah. Like, don't get used to it kind of a thing. Okay. That's kind of the overall theme is that uh, you got to realize the music business is so, it's on and on and off. You could be doing well for a few years and then you're unemployed. Yeah. It's not a, I I guess if if you're good and you can get work, you're going to always have work. But it all has to do with personalities too. Like, you got to find the right people you can tour with because if you can't stand them, you're not going to be able to work with them. So there's kind of a little bit of that in there too, like finding your tribe, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that it's going to stay going forever. You know, no band lasts forever. So, um, what did you think of, of last week's episode with Sheila and dream? I really enjoyed that. I love what she did. More power to her for getting Indie Flick started yeah. from the ground up and building it to what it is today. And her story, I, you know, her working as a costume designer on the wonder years, that was one of my favorite shows growing up. Yeah, me too. And I thought they nailed it. The clothes, the cars, everything, you know. It was uh-huh. 
such a great show. <laughs> yeah, to be part of something so iconic. Yeah, it was really uh, fun. the story cool. of the story of her having to chase down that one hundred and fifty dollar thong. I, I don't, I don't want to give it away to anybody that hasn't heard it, but it is hilarious <laughs> because you know she she wouldn't tell who it was, but you know she was working with some some difficult people in Hollywood. Yeah, that was a fun story. <laughs> she had a lot of stories. We're gonna have to create some more audiograms from her, yeah, her interview because she she's a natural storyteller. And uh, what the audience does not hear is that when we stopped recording, Sheila and I kept talking for probably 30 minutes and continued that conversation out on the dock on Lake Washington and then to the parking lot to my car. And, and she's just so engaging. I think she was a little starved for human contact as well <laughs> yeah. because of the pandemic. But she's, uh, she's a really neat person. And uh, I, I feel like Seattle is filled with those types of creatives who love Seattle, who love the Northwest and are there intentionally, not by accident. And they're there to make that community better. Absolutely. In terms of an arts perspective. And that's what she's doing. And I think what she's doing with IndieFlix is making the world a better place too. After watching several of her documentaries, Angst and Like and Upstanders, there's a lot of uh, powerful messages that she's putting out there in the world through these films. Nice. So what do we have next? Uh, we have an artist by the name of Meredith O'Connor. Oh, yeah. She's a, she is a, an anti-bullying activist. She's uh, active with the United Nations in that capacity. She's also a pop singer. Nice. Meredith has an incredible voice. She's actually a Broadway-trained type of voice. So when you hear her singing, you're like, ah, she must be on Broadway. Mm -hmm. She's that good. Because that's where the great singers go, is Broadway. That's right. Uh, but you can take that and really do a lot in the pop world when you have that type of voice, just an effortlessness to her voice. But it, what makes her so interesting, in addition to being just super talented musically and great performer, she just cares so much about this issue of bullying, but also mental health awareness. She suffers from OCD and she talks about that on the podcast and how that's affected her and how she wants to get the word out that this is something that we should all be talking about more openly mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people, especially young people that are suffering from mental health issues like OCD, like anxiety, social anxiety, and they're suffering in silence. But if they hear a popular verified Instagram star talking about the issue that's affecting them, and then it's also affecting the listener, then they don't feel alone. Exactly. And they're, they're empowered to actually get help. Yeah, that, yeah, all that helps, yeah. Yeah, so looking forward to hearing that chopped up and edited and finalized in the next week or so, hopefully, huh? Totally, yeah, I'll have it done very soon. Nice. Well, uh, Jason, thanks for being on the show, man. It's always a blast, Brian. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path. 